0: This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. How many of you guys got your notes for today? They came late, but they came, right? Aren't you glad that when they, when they, when they show up? I was like, I'm walking down here and somebody, and yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have them, so we're going to just move on. Amen. Well, hey, um, let's just pray, and then we're gonna get into this. I believe that uh, God has a great word for for our family and for you as an individual, and... uh, um Let's just let him do his work in us. Amen. Father, we come before you today. We thank you again for just this, this privilege that we have, uh, this privilege that we have to come to you and to look at your word. Father, we pray not that we would just know more things about you, but God, we pray that there would be change that takes place in us, transformational change. God, that's what we need and that's what we desire and that's what we hunger for in Jesus' name, amen. I want to, I want to, uh, uh, there's a scripture here found in Acts 3.6. It's kind of my key text for today, if you will. And uh, if you guys remember, uh, Peter and John, they were getting ready to walk into um, the temple. And, uh, and so they're on their way there. And there's this man sitting there by the side of the road and he's begging, you know, and, and, and calling out for money and help and things like that. And, and, uh, and this was Peter's response. It said, Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but what I give you, I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And so today I want to talk to you about to give what you have. That's the title of my message is to, to give what you have. Peter and John said, hey, to this guy, they're like, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. You know, this week uh, on Wednesday, Wednesday's trash day, for those of you who didn't know, I was taking out my trash and... Uh A family of six, we have a lot of trash. We have so much trash that I have to use a four-wheeler to take my trash to the side of the road. Now, you guys are all judging me right now. I can feel the judgment in this room that I am lazy and somehow I can't carry a pail. But guess what? I have two pails, and it's about a quarter of a mile to the road. So leave me alone. So anyway... (laughs) I just had to get rid of that judgment in the room. So anyway, I'm heading out to the, to the side of the road with my trash and I take the first load out, which was very arduous. And I get out there and I put it there and then I go back to the garage and I grab the second thing of, of trash and I come back out there and I'm sitting on my four-wheeler, right? I know you guys are judging me, but I take my, my trash to the side of the road on the four-wheeler. And, yeah, so I got one guy. He, he's agreeing with me. I'm sitting there on the side of the road. Now, if you remember on Wednesday, it was, it was a wintry mix, right? It was, for us Iowans, it was nice, like shorts weather, 32 degrees outside. And uh, uh, wet and some melting that was going on. And, and so here I'm sitting on the side of the road just enjoying just the relief of cold, right? How many of you guys else, re- anybody else in here enjoy the relief of cold this week? Yeah, I thought I was the only one there for a second. So so here I am sitting on the side of the road and I hear in the distance what what appears to be a motorcycle. And I'm thinking to myself, what on earth? earth is anyone I mean I don't I know it's nice out and I know we need to celebrate the the glory of 30 degree weather but a motorcycle and, and plus it was like you know slushy and wet and salt on the road you, you guys know what I'm talking about so I'm sitting here on the on my four-wheeler and I'm just like in disbelief I'm like what is you know and so I'm kind of leaning looking down the highway and sure enough man here comes a guy on a Harley with really loud pipes and he's just like blowing down the highway and I look at him. I mean, this guy is bundled up. I mean, he doesn't have a windscreen or nothing. I mean, he's got coveralls on and boots and a coat and a hat. I mean, he's got it all and he is bundled up like just like one of these things. And he blows past and he waves at me like he knows me. And I wave back at him like I know him thinking well maybe it's somebody I know you know that that uh, they're just bundled up and I can't see him and so I'm sitting there on the four-wheeler and just kind of shaking my head in disbelief and then it it sounds like he's turning around and I look over and sure enough the guy's turning around and he's coming back and he pulls over and so I get off the four-wheeler I think well it's gonna be somebody I know they're gonna pull all their stuff off and we're gonna have a big conversation and you know yeah, maybe it's Aaron, he got himself a Harley. I don't know, you know? And so he pulls up and he reaches in his pocket and he hands me this. <laughs> and he yells something, I, 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 he, he hands me, now I had this argument with my wife, not an argument, but just a discussion, but these are hand warmers that go in your gloves. These are actually called toe warmers. And, and so he hands me these things and, 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 and under all the stuff he yells at me, I think what he said is they really work good. And he puts it in a gear and he turns around and he takes off. <laughs> and I'm sitting there holding these things and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking a lot of things. Like there's a lot of things going through, through my mind. Just like so many things are going through my mind. Like, like number one, like he, he, he's, Driving a motorcycle in the winter. Like, the guy might not have a car. Like, I, and so I'm going through all of these things. But, but some things that really just stood out to me in this is, is that, like, this guy is on a motorcycle and he needs toe warmers and hand warmers way more than I need them. Like I'm sitting out there in my shorts and my flip flops taking out my trash. Like I don't need these, I'm not flying down the road. He needs these way more than I do, right? And, and so, so he needs them, that's one thing. The, the, the other thing is, is like he's gone through life 100 miles an hour, he was driving through trainer 100 miles an hour and he had the audacity to stop and to turn around and come back and give me something that was extremely valuable to him, right? And he hands this thing to me, and he gives it to me like, like I didn't need it. But, but, but to me, it stuck out that he turned around, and he came back, and he gave me something that he had. You know, and I think about you know, these guys, you know, Peter and John, that, that remember, they're, they're, they're walking. They're walking into the temple. And this guy's like, you know, give me this. And they're like, I don't have this, but what I do have, I'm gonna give to you. And here's this guy on a motorcycle. I don't know if he was saved, I couldn't tell because I couldn't see who he was, okay? I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. But what he had, he gave to me. He gave something that was of value to him. I don't know where he is in life and, and, you know, or anything like that, but in my mind, if he's driving a motorcycle in the winter, he may not have a car. He might be somebody that needs that more than I do, but he, he took the time to turn around, come back, and give me something that he has. And so, you know, I think that for me, it just kind of started something in me to think about, do I see people? Am I going through life so fast, doing my own thing with the things that are valuable to me, or do I see people? Do I take enough time to slow down, turn around, and go back and give them something that they have need of? In his mind, in his eyes, I was on a four-wheeler, as funny as it was, and he's like, man, that guy, that guy needs some of these. It burned within him, man. He yelled, they work well, you know? But he pulled over, and and so for for us as believers, like, do we take the time to, to pull over in life and give people what it is that we have? You know, do we give to those that are in need? Are we are we giving away what it is that we value in our life to other people? My question to you is: Is what do you have now? I'm going to admit I had one message written yesterday afternoon, and it was too nice. I'm sorry. It just was. I went to go pick up my son from somewhere, and, I, and, and, and and it was based upon 1 Peter 3, and if you want to go there and read 1 Peter 3 and see what you can take out of it, but to me, I just felt like we know 1 Peter 3. We know that we're not to live evil. We know that we're supposed to, you know, to, to, to develop our relationship with God. We know all of these things. There's more to it. Right, I, Many of us in here have been Christians for many, many, many years. And so, so today, my prayer and, and my desire is that there would be a transformation on the inside of us to see what the early church was like. What, 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 what were the characteristics of the early church? Because can I tell you guys, I mean like, I don't want Jesus to come back and be like, man, this is really what we got going on here? I want them to come back and be like, man, you guys got it going on. You guys took what it is that they did in, in, in the first part of, of Acts and you went to the next level. That's what I want. And I hope that that's what you want too. And so my question to you today is, is what do you have? And, and the reason I say to be nice is, is because I think sometimes it's like we, we think that the little things, we we, we place a lot of emphasis on the little things, and and by that I mean like a little gift, and I I know that there's great power and there's there's moments, and I don't want to disregard those little moments and those little seeds. I'm not disregarding that, but I think sometimes it's like we kind of pat ourselves on the back, so to speak, when it comes to our life and how we're living it, and I just want to kind of come up you know, I want to I want to go up higher in our walk. I want to I want to I want to be operating as Jesus intended for the church to operate. And guess what? When I say the church, I don't mean fellowship church as a whole. I mean you as an individual. Because whether you realize it or not, you are the church. You are, Fellowship Church, and, and, and the people that are a part of this family of God, is, it, that's the little C, right? And then there's the big C, which is the global church, the church at large. And I, and I think a lot of times when we, when we live in this life, we, we never leave our world. We never leave our viewpoint, and our perspective is on little C, little church, little me, what I want, what I think, how I think it should be. You know, and, 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 and so I'm, that's really what I'm challenging you today in, is to, to, is to just see it differently, to see what it is that you have. Because you have more than a hand warmer in your pocket. You have more than a kind word. You have more than you realize and so today, I just want to help you with what it is that you have on the inside of you. The first thing is, is that you have a great commission. Do you know that? Look at what it says here in, in Matthew uh, verse uh, chapter eight, chapter twenty-eight, verse eighteen. Jesus came and he told his disciples. He said. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, what's he say? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So here we can see Jesus telling the disciples. Did he say, disciples, now that you're saved, just stay put, wait till I come back for you? No, he said, go, go and make disciples. And so that's the great commission for us is, is, is to reach and to equip and to build believers. And we are the church and this is our m- mission to fulfill. It's not Fellowship's Church mission to fulfill. It's all of us. Every single person that considers their, themselves to be a part of the family of God, that is their mission to fulfill. Not to, not to take up space, not to, not to just come and sing and leave and go eat lunch with our friends. No, they're, they're our mission to fulfill as the church is to go and make disciples. We have a great commission. You have a great commission. And we have a choice in that. Okay, we have a choice. Each and every person that sits in here has a choice to do or to not do what it is that Jesus told us to do when he walked the earth. And so we can play it safe, and we can just kind of kick it back and you know put up the, you know, the foot, foot rest, so to speak, when it comes to our life and be like, well, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. He said he'd come back. Or we can live on the edge. How many of you guys like to live on the edge? Some of you guys like to play it safe, some of you guys like to live on the edge. I bought my son a 110 Honda fuel-injected dirt bike for his birthday, and can I tell you, from the moment that he got onto that little rig, he lives on the edge. He makes my wife so nervous every single time he gets that thing. He revs it up, run, run, throws it into gear. I've had I've had, had multiple conversations with him that he's got to let the thing go down before he throws it into gear. But man, I mean, he just out there on the edge, riding it like it's supposed to be ridden. That's not what mom says, but that's what I say. Now, listen, as the church, are we, are we riding it like we're supposed to? are we playing it safe? Are we just kind of like going through the motions and in first gear, eh, just out there putzing around? Or are we, are we in fourth gear, wrapped out, wishing there was a fifth gear, right? That's what I'm talking about when, I, when I'm talking about our lives as the church and this great commission. And so I'm just challenging you in this to to dare to dream, to dare to live, to dare to to walk in what it is that Jesus provided you. That's what we have. Listen, a comfortable church is this, not us, but this, okay? Number one, a comfortable church strives to keep the members happy. Now, if you got offended by that point, it's going to be okay, okay? By the end, you'll be all right. Did you know that's not my job? That's not my job as a pastor is to keep you happy. Thank God. (laughs) But listen, there are churches all over the place that are striving to just keep people happy. And it's an impossible job, like you're never gonna keep everybody happy. But can I tell you that was never a point that Jesus taught. Now listen, number one is you gotta work with them, you gotta talk nicely, you you can't talk about the things that they don't wanna hear. No, he never said that. So a comfortable church strives to keep people happy. Number two is this. It doesn't want to intrude on people's lives. Can I tell you, Jesus intruded on people's lives. People that were living for the devil and adultery, all of these different things. What did he do? He stepped into their life. He intruded on their life. Why? Because he wanted to help them. And we too, as the church, like don't, you know, I think sometimes don't, don't get into my spaces, my world. This is what I'm doing. This is me. I like this. And I don't, don't tell me, don't tell me I need to serve. Don't tell me I need to give. Don't tell me this. Don't, that's intrusion, Right. But a comfortable church will never intrude. As a pastor and as pastors, as leaders of this church, we're encouraging and quipping the body of Christ. Why? To come up, to, to, to do what it is that Jesus taught us to do. Not for my benefit, for your benefit. And to be a, an example to the world that is around us. So number two is doesn't intrude. Number three, guards the status quo. We have always done it this way. If I want to be comfortable, I'm going to say as a pastor, listen, we're not changing anything. We're, I don't, I, we're not doing anything different. We're, why would we change it? Dear God, don't change it. We, we just keep doing what we've always done. No, that's a comfortable church. And those are three things that we are not going to be. No, the first church was very, 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 very different than a comfortable church. I would encourage you, this is my assignment for you guys. Listen, before the Super Bowl, you guys go home, get out your Bible, and read Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and if you want to, 7. I'm care, I guarantee you, you will, this, what I'm talking to you about is simply a summary of that. It will come alive in you. The light bulb will go off in you and you will look at church and your place and your position in the church much differently. Actually, you'll see some parallels to what it is that they went through in their life when it comes to the challenges and things like that. But for this morning, I just want to pick out a few. In Acts 2, you know, uh, Peter preached and he said you must repent, you must turn to God, you must be baptized and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He preached I wanna, I wanna highlight this, he preached a long time. So if, if I wanna preach a long time, it's okay, because that's what Peter did. He preached a long time, and, and, and strongly urged. And so I'm gonna do some strongly urging. I promise I'm not gonna preach long, but I'm going to strongly urge you today. But here's the thing, he did all this, and it said that three, about 3,000 people were added to the church that day, in one day. And 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 so in one message, three thousand people are added to the, uh, added to the kingdom. I think in today's age, and when and when it comes to the church, I think if we had three thousand people show up to our church, that there might be some complaining going on, right? It might be like, man, so-and-so, they, that they, they just pulled into my parking spot. I cannot believe that they were sitting in my seat. There's so many people here, I'm going to go home. You know, and we would come up with all of these excuses. But my point is, is that the word of God went forth and people were added to the church daily. Yeah. It, it was multiplied. People were coming in in droves because the word of God was going forth. And so there, there was no comfort when it came to this early church. The church was alive and the government felt threatened by the new church and that new church was persecuted, the people were killed, they were arrested, yet the church still grew. They had something, they had something different. Peter and John at the gate with the beggar, they knew what they had. What'd they say? They said, silver and gold have I none. They knew that they didn't have money, but they knew that they had the authority that Jesus had given to them to go about and do greater works than him. And so they operated in what it is that they knew. And so as believers, we have to know what it is that we have inside of us. Guys, listen, the spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. Yes. <sighs> They knew what they had, they had authority. Do you know what you have? I wonder if we know sometimes, I wonder if we know what is living on the inside of us. And so I wanna go over some things that a church that lives out there on the edge, right? The church that's a little bit dangerous according to my wife and Will's uh, motorcycle riding little bit dangerous what is the dangerous church's approach what does the dangerous church have number one they have an uncivilized approach it's uncivilized the world that's around us man they're looking at the church and they they think that we're weird we're different we're crazy but do you remember that the bible says that he uses the foolish things of this world to do what Confound the wise. And so number one is an an uncivilized approach. Look at what it says here in Matthew three, verse four. You guys remember John the Baptist? This guy was uncivilized. He had an uncivilized approach. It says that John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. That had to be comfortable. (laughs) And he wore a leather belt around his waist. And for food, he ate locusts and wild honey. I'm not going home and having locusts and wild honey, okay? That was, that was what? It was an uncivilized approach. But look what it goes on to say. It says that people from Jerusalem and from all of Judea all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. So listen, if you want to sport a camel coat or whatever it is with a leather belt, I really don't care. The question is, is are people coming and wanting to see and hear what it is that you have because it's uncivilized. Another example of it being uncivilized, remember Jesus and the disciples, what did they do? Look at what it says here in Matthew 9, 10. It says that later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a guest along with many tax collectors Right? These people were not popular, yet Jesus is eating with them. And other disreputable sinners. So, as a church, do we just gather together with other people you know, we gather just with like precious faith? We don't want to be, you know, associated with anybody that's that 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 is not saved and, and reputable and tax collectors. No. Jesus, he did things in uncivilized ways. He gathered together with these people. Why? I think what it goes on to say here in verse 12, can you slide down there to that? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Can I tell you, the church, we're healthy. We've been taught for 45 years what faith is and how to believe and how to pray. We've been taught, we're healthy. We know what we're doing we have this on the inside of us and that's why my message that I, the first message that i wrote was just like this just doesn't do we got to go past this we got to move forward we got to move on with what it is that's inside of us that we already have it's uncivilized but healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Another one was, you guys remember Jesus, man, he went, in, he went into the temple, man, and he turned the tables over. Why did he turn the tables over? Because they had turned the church or the temple into something that it was not supposed to be. He said that it is a place of prayer. And so we have to understand that a dangerous church is an un, has an uncivilized approach. Number two, a dangerous church has been with Jesus. This morning I got up here and I encourage you guys, what? To enter in to his presence because there's refreshing. Guess what, when we enter in to his presence, that's being with Jesus. When you go and you take time and you you go to his word and you look at his word, I guarantee you, you give it enough time and it will begin to melt and change and, and transform you and you will know that you have been with Jesus. But I think sometimes it's like we flip open, we read it, we don't give them enough time to work in our life. But, and it's a continual thing that we have to do day in and day out so that we can be seen that we have been with Jesus. Look what it says here in Acts 4.13. We're still talking about, this is the early church, guys. This is what the church looked like. Acts 4.13 says that the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Don't take that down. Because I want everybody in this room to read that. Is there anybody in here that has had special training in the scriptures? There's a few of us, right? A few have gone to college and, and, and spent some time having special training in the scriptures. But look what it says here Peter and John. Man, they're out there rolling around, healing the sick, praying for people, being bold. And it says, That they could see they were ordinary men. People that were around Peter and John could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures and they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So can I tell you today that as you leave this place, people are not gonna see your special training in scripture. They're gonna see when you've been with Jesus. A dangerous church has been with Jesus but listen, it takes it takes discipline. It takes us doing that. It takes us, you know, I, I listen, I got up here and I encourage you because why? I know what the flesh is like if we didn't get our coffee or somebody cut us off on the way to church or maybe, you know, you had a fight with your wife or your husband, conv- you know, did something, said something wrong. There's a lot of things that happen prior you, to you getting to church. And there's a lot of things that are going to happen when you leave this place. And that's a challenge because why? It's trying to get you out of the presence of God. But we got to fight for it. We got to say, no, no, we ain't going there. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to sing. And I'm going to praise. Because sometimes in the, the morning we get, up, oh man, I do not feel like doing this. Right. We're just like, I'm tired. I just kind of want to go back to bed. Or, or maybe it's like, I got this, pre- I got this, I got this meeting. I got this meeting. I got to go do this. I got to do this. And we blow right past anytime with him where we know, and other people can know, man, they've been with Jesus. So we have to do that. We've got to know, listen, Peter and John had no special training in the scriptures. They just simply spent time with Jesus. The dangerous church is made up of ordinary people who have been with Jesus. Ordinary people with an extraordinary God who equips them to do extraordinary things. Leave that up, please. Guys, we gotta see this. We gotta see that we are ordinary people. Every one of us, gifts, callings, every one of us has an extraordinary God living on the inside of them. That's what you have on the inside of you. It's so much more than, than a hand warmer, guys. It's so much more than that. And we gotta understand that because he wants us to do extraordinary things. And I think that sometimes though, that we, we, we have a tendency to minimize the extraordinary God that lives on the inside of us. And we can't do that if we're gonna be a dangerous church. The next thing is, number three is, a dangerous church has big dreams. Big dreams. Not just as a church, as individuals, we all should have big dreams. Why? Because we should be asking ourselves, what could we do? Who could we reach? How many lives could be saved? What is the most outrageous thing that we could that God could do through me? Those are questions that we should be asking. Ourself. Those are big dreams that we should be thinking about. Or do we really believe that Jesus intended for us to do the works that he did? You know what's really sad? I heard this week at a pastor's roundtable, uh, uh, one of the speakers was talking about the fact that that the devil believes in the church more than a many Christians. And I think that it goes back to this idea that that we've forgotten to dream big. We've forgotten to to do what it is that Jesus said. Look at what it says right here in John 14, John 14, verse 12. Jesus said this, and and, and it answers the question, do we really believe that Jesus intended for us to do the works that he did? He says, I tell you the truth, that anyone who believes in me, how many of you guys believe in him? Anyone who believes in him will do the same works, will do the same works as, as, as I have done but not just the same works. Jesus told us, guys, that we will do even greater works because I'm going to my Father in heaven. It goes on to say, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. But, but, but here's the thing. We stop. We stop at that first scripture and we don't go any, any further we don't realize that it, that it comes down to asking for what it is that he said, listen, you ask anything in my name according to my will and I'm gonna do it. And, and Jesus said that, that we would do works and greater works. So if we're, we're, we're living our lives as the church in our daily walk, guess what? It just comes down to dreaming bigger. It just comes down to asking bigger in our lives as believers. Lord, I wanna do the works that you did. I want to do greater works than you did. You said it. You promised it so I can live in that. Ephesians, sometimes this answers the question of of ourselves. Ephesians 3.20 and 21. It says, now all glory to God who is able, get this, through his mighty power at work in us. You know, what it is that you have is not based on your ability That's right. it's not it's not based on how smart you are how good looking you are it doesn't it's not based on how much money you have in the bank it's not based on the position that you hold it's based on the person of Jesus that lives on the inside of you awesome. the question is is do we really know that do we really believe that do we really believe that his power resides on the inside of us his power is so much greater than a hand warmer. Now listen, I'm not against warm hands and soft hands and, and, uh, and, and encouraging one another. I'm not against that. Don't get, don't get me wrong, man. There are people that need encouragement. You're going to come across people that need encouragement. You're going to come across people that just need, just, just need something simple. And that's a good start. But let us not stay on the simple. Let us move past let us, let us when, when these situations arise where somebody needs prayer and something's going on, let us boldly ask, just as Jesus told us to. Pray, ask in faith, dream big so that he can work through the church because his power is mightily working in you. Number four is this. A bold church or a, a church that's dangerous has divine boldness. You know, the only prayer ever recorded in the book of Acts is found right here in Acts 4.29. It says, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness to preach your word. What you got to realize when you guys go home and read this, and I know you guys are all going to do this before the game today. Because you really want to know what's, what this is about is that these guys, man, they're, they're going out and they're preaching and the government is freaking out. The, 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 the officials and the people in power, they are freaking out, why? Because people are being saved, people are being set free, people that, that, are, that are bound and in and, 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 and bondage, they're being set free and they're preaching Jesus and, 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 and they don't like it. And so they're threatening them and they're throwing them into jail and the angels are coming and letting them out. I mean, just cool stuff. That was the church. And so as a church, we we, we should be operating in that, in boldness, in this boldness, and in this this divine boldness. It's not just a a boldness that we come up with and we conjure up inside of ourselves. No, look at what it says here. Well, we read that. And my opinion is is that my opinion doesn't change anything, right? Right? What I, my opinion is not gonna change somebody's life. It's the truth of his word that's gonna change somebody's life. And so we can share our opinion with people thinking that that's gonna help them, but what they really need is the word of his truth in their life, and that's why we need to know it. In divine boldness, Acts 4.31 says, and after they prayed that prayer, the only prayer prayed in Acts 4, it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. They, worked, they preached with boldness because they pray, prayed and they had divine boldness. That's what he wants to give each and every one of us is divine boldness. Number five, when it comes to a church that is dangerous, a dangerous church has an unshakable devotion. What does that mean? Acts 5.28 says it this way. It says that we gave you strict orders never to again teach in this man's name and he said instead you have filled you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him filled all of Jerusalem what if we filled all of Oakland What if we filled all of Carson? What if we filled all of Red Oak? What if we filled all of Atlantic? What if we filled all of Shenandoah? What if we filled all of the 30 plus communities that you all live in? With with this name, the teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. It's an unspeakable devotion because look at what 29 says right here. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Their conviction was not based upon the pressure that was being applied to them. It wasn't. They didn't care. They said, we're not going to answer to you guys. We're not going to answer to the government. We're going to answer to him someday. And so with boldness, man, we're going to proclaim his death until he comes again. That's what a dangerous church is all about. unshakable devotion. Listen, in these end times, man, there's gonna be shaking that's going on. The church will be shaken, but there's going to be segment of, 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 of the church that is, un, they're gonna have an unshakable devotion to him. They're gonna be just like this church in the book of Acts. They're going to be, no, no, we're going to continue to fill all of these communities. We're going to continue to fill. You can shut us off here. You can shut us off here. You can shut us off here, but we will not be silent. We will continue to fill our communities, our schools, our workplaces with the message of Jesus Christ. It's an unshakable devotion. Another thing is this church has a selfless community filled with generous people. Acts 2, says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. That'll make your mind go tilt. They sold their property. They sold their possessions and they shared the money with those in need. I'm telling you what guys, that's a radical, dangerous church. There's people that are, that are radical in their generosity radical in their giving. What's it go on to say? Is there another one there? And all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. And really the reality of this guys is is that what what we have, you may have worked to get it but you're simply a steward of what it is that God has given you. As you walk this earth, as you live this life, you're a steward of your kids, you're a steward of your marriage, you're a steward of your job, you're a steward of your business, you're a steward of your church, you're a steward of the position that you're in. It's not yours. Like this position, I'm, I'm not, it's not my position. I was put here, but I am to steward what what has been given. I I answer to to an advisory board, but I also answer to God. And I'm just a steward what it is that I have. And and in our lives, that's, that's really what it boils down to. Are we stewarding what it is that God has been given to us? That's why he says, man, if you're faithful in the little, I'll give you more than enough. Because why? These guys were radical in their giving. They didn't care. They're like, you know what, it's not mine anyway. I I just, it just came through me, so here you go. That's what we need to be as a church. Radical in our giving, radical in our generosity. Contributors, not consumers. And that's a challenge in this world in which we live. Because why? It's a Burger King mentality. Have it your way, right? (laughs) It's like, you want it this way? No, I don't want it this way. We go through Chick-fil-A, we can have it right now. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's all about us. But, but in, in the dangerous church, man, it is about being a contributor, not a consumer. And that's what I want to be. A church is not here for me. It's not here for you. We are the church and we are here for the world. We're here for the world. Like if our church ceased to exist today, would would anybody that's around in the in the in the local communities would they even know that we were gone like if we like we would never do this but if we just stopped having service for 4 for 4 or 5 weeks would it, would would anybody around here know i don't want to be that church i want to i want to be a church that man we are making an impact in our daily lives, in our daily walks, in our, in our communities, in our job places, we're, we're gonna take some steps to, to, to let the world know that we are here through generosity. You know, we're doing it abroad, we're doing it globally and thank God for that, but you know what? There's a world that's around us that needs that generosity. They need to know that we are here for them and that we care about them and we're gonna do that through that. Number seven is this is a consuming focus. Acts 4.19 says, but Peter and John replied, do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? Verse 20 says, we cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. Everything that we have seen and heard. You can lock us up. You can beat us. You can threaten us. We're not stopping. This isn't a belief system, guys. This isn't, Principles that these guys, Peter and John, just like, okay, Lord, I'm going to write that one down. I'm going to write that one down. I'll do that too. You know, this isn't a task list. This was a lifestyle, right? These things that the Holy Spirit put into these men, that they had seen Jesus, they had been with Jesus, it became a part of who they were. And that's what we as believers should be doing in our lives each and every day. Each, it's, an, it's, it's, it's individual each and every day. It's a lifestyle. My lifestyle is growing stronger and stronger and stronger for the things of God. I do and support only what it is that he wants in my life. I seek first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be added to me. That's what my life centered around. It's a lifestyle and that's what these guys had. It was a consuming focus in their life. Now let's get to the end of the story. Acts 5, 41 says this, that the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus, in verse 42, and every day the temple, or the church, from house to house. Guess what, guys? We have a small group starting up. Is that not ironic? They they met as a group, as a large group, they met from house to house, and they continued to teach and preach the message of Jesus as the Messiah. That's our job, guys. We are to be fulfilling that call in this generation, in this time. Let us not be a comfortable church. Let us be a church that is doing these things, that's living like the book of Acts, so, you know, and, and, and really just, you know, as we've heard it said before, continuing to write out the book of Acts. The Acts of the apostle, the Acts of the believers, the Acts of us as believers. There is a book that's being written. What do the pages read of your life? I want it to be a church that's dangerous, man, that's bold, that's, that's operating in the way that he intended for us to. How many of you guys wanna do that with me? Lastly is this, when the world is at its worst, the church needs to be at its best. Amen? Why don't you guys bow your head, close your eyes. Father, we come before you today. Thank you for this church, this body, this local believers, Lord, that just as a family, We get to love each other, encourage one another, admonish one another, support one another, Father. But God, there's more. And today, God, I just pray that as we leave this place that we will know what it is that we have living on the inside of us. That you sent us to go forth and make disciples. And so that I just pray an urgency in our hearts, an urgency for other people, an urgency to see them make the same wonderful choice that we were introduced to. God, just like you gave the early church boldness, I pray that we would have divine boldness as we leave this place. We wouldn't back down because what's living on the inside of us is so much greater than we could ever ask or think. It's powerful, it has the ability to change. God, I just pray that we would believe that, that we would know that, that it would be deep within us and that we would operate in that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and maybe you're far from him, Or maybe you have never made a decision for him. Today's your day to make a decision. And we wouldn't want to leave this place not not knowing that you are in right standing with your heavenly father. And so if you're here today and you need to get back in right standing with him just with a simple raising of your hand, just say, that's me, Brian, pray with me. And I will. Is there anybody at all? I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put it down. I see that hand. Great, great, great. Great. Anybody else that wanna join these three people to either come back or or make a decision? I see that hand, you can put it down. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, this is what it's all about, folks. It's about that all might be saved. And so let's just pray with these three. We'll pray this prayer together with them because they're, they're family. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son to die for me. And today, I recognize my need for Jesus in my life. And today, I repent and I recommit my life to you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I thank you for saving me and that heaven is my home today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Listen, if you if you responded to that, that call, we, we'll have a prayer team down here afterwards and they have some resources that they wanna give you. That's just some small stuff, easy to read, easy, simple to understand, and it'll help you in your walk. I encourage you, when we're dismissed, just As the crowd moves, you can just come on down and and join these people. They'll pray with you. They'll encourage you. They'll help you. Amen? Amen. Well, how many of you guys are going to go out and be the dangerous church this week? Amen? Well, let's stand up. Why don't you greet those around you? Tell tell somebody that you're going to be a little dangerous this week, and then you may be dismissed. And we'll see you back here on Wednesday at 7 p.m.